Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. From roommates to co-hosts, this is The Back Check with Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner, your go-to destination for New York hockey and NHL news. And now it's time to drop the puck. Here are your hosts, Brendan Azoff and Stefan Rosner. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 52 of The Back Check on Unhinged Radio, presented by Belly Up Sports. Brendan and Stefan here. We have a great guest in Alexis Downey. She is from Stadium, has the show called NHL Icebreakers. If you haven't seen her or checked her out, stay tuned for the interview uh, coming up in about 30 minutes and listen to what she has to say and have some fun with that interview. But, you know, there's a lot to talk about. And, you know, obviously I'm going to toss it to you first, but the NHL social media last couple of days has been full of highlights and, and lowlights, I guess, depending on what side of the <laughs> equation you're on. We got a preseason coming to a close in a couple of weeks. We're like eight to nine days away, seven to nine days away, depending on what teams you root for from opening night. So we're getting into the heated things and it's starting to starting to come close to puck drop on the 21-22 season. Yeah, hockey's back. And it's amazing. And tonight, tonight we got we got Yankees wild card, and I'll I'll be watching with you, Brendan. But oh, yeah. also, Islanders are playing the Flyers, and that will be on my computer screen. So between pitches, because you know how long baseball games take, I'll be tuning into that. But yeah, we're right around the corner, and I can't be more excited for the season to get going. It's it's coming, and I, I oh, know yeah. that for me, preseason is it's not really as enjoyable, obviously, as, as regular season hockey, playoff hockey, but. Whenever I see the roster sizes for the team start to get from 40 to 26, right, that's when I know, all right, we're, we're getting towards that opening night because that's when we have the teams that are actually going to be playing. The last two preseason games are usually pretty close to NHL rosters, so they're much more enjoyable to watch. And, I mean, for the Islanders, right, I think that we're 
Chara and uh, uh, Lee are playing for the first yes. time. So we got a couple of things to look forward to there. The Rangers are going to be putting out the line combos that we expect for opening night with Jones and Lundquist still in the battle, which we'll talk about in a little bit. So uh, first things first, how's everything going? Right? How's, how's it been for you? And you talked to the Yankees tonight. We'll be watching that together. And yeah. I'm pretty amped up for that playoff baseball. Uh, I mean, they better win. Garrett Cole, you pay him all this money, and this is why he gets paid that money. And if he loses tonight, oh, he should um, you know, send the check back because apparently he's not worth the money. But no, I'm doing great. I'm a little tired, Brendan. He got me onto the show Prison Break, and I just can't <laughs> stop watching it. And every downtime I have, it's on. I think I was up till around 4 o'clock in the morning. I, the worst thing though is when you fall asleep watching a show, and it's like it's on Hulu, so there's ads. So I fell asleep watching the show. I'm trying to find out where I left off, while I'm ruining the show for myself because I'm ahead of where I should be. But then if I want to go back and watch, I have to watch all these ads. It's very annoying. But we found what we were up to. I think I have a couple minutes left in episode 16 of season one. So by the end of the week, I'll probably be done with the whole show. You'll probably be way ahead of me. I have not watched it in a little bit, so. It is a good show, though. If nobody has watched Prison Break that's listening, you might as well check it out. It's been out for a long time. So the only sure thing I'll, s- I'll say about it is it's what, like an early 2000s show, so it's got those corny early 2000 cuts and all that kind of stuff. But, but the, last, uh, the last season was made in 2017. Really? Like they, they took a break and came back, which is why it made a resurgence. So the last season is going to look a little bit different than the, uh, the first few, but... Getting back onto topic. Yeah, sorry about we that. We have to talk about Robin Leonard. Oh, we did. And his well, he hasn't talked enough. Rampage. Yeah. Well, Robin Leonard, right? First and foremost, I want to say that he's an inspiration to a ton of people for what he's been through, battled through, how he kind of revived himself on Long Island. And uh, he gives credit to the Islanders fans and, you know, for what they did there and how they made him love hockey again, which is awesome to hear. And obviously now he's in Vegas and he's always been outspoken, probably the most outspoken NHL player when it comes to league and player relations and getting the game in the right steps. And I completely respect that. But there are certain times where he does talk an awful lot on Twitter, calls out a lot of people. And whenever you call somebody out, right, we do live in a society where you're innocent until proven guilty in some aspects, right? That's how it's supposed to be, not always but when you look at sports, right, if people see somebody like Robin Leonard calling somebody out, they're going to hold a lot more merit to that claim than they would if it was somebody else. And, for instance, when he called out Elaine Vigneault for pill pushing and things yeah. like that, he wound up backtracking those statements. And whenever you backtrack, it, you lose your credibility in a sense. So it's an interesting time to see if the NHL will, in fact, reach out to him. But what's your take on all the stuff that he's been coming out with on social media? Well, first off, I think, again, appreciate what he's – what is outspokenness and everything like that because it's going to impact change in the sport. It might take a while, but he's already bringing light to situations. Like, for example, Buffalo. What's going on with Eichel? Leonard played there. Leonard had an injury there, an ankle injury that they botched or something went wrong with the doctors, the medical stuff, whatever. We don't know exactly what's going on. And I, I, read, I read all the comments on Twitter when he posts. Just I want to see what people are saying. And obviously a lot of it's hate towards him based on his mental illness, and which is really messed up, but that's the society we live in today. People just say whatever they want. They don't care. Um, he's, he's, Leonard was threatening to fight some fans in the parking lot. He said he'll, he knows where he'll be after practice. You could come and find him, which I thought was funny because no one's going to fight a panda, man. Like You don't fight pandas. They, they like karate chop you. But anyway, <laughs> no, just I think it comes to a point, though, where sometimes it's okay to not say something. Like you said, once he's spewing information, 
The internet never forgets. You're calling out Elaine Vigneault. Now, even if Elaine Vigneault didn't push pills, which it doesn't sound like he did because Leonard recanted that statement, you're, you're ruining other people's credibility. Because obviously, you look at Elaine Vigneault. He's known for being a coach and chewing bubblegum. That's what he's known for at the NHL level. It's a bad look when you're accusing a coach of pushing pills to his, te- to his team, which never happened. And now people want to believe Leonard when he says every other thing. But now you already have a spot where you're saying something wrong because you just want to talk and you want to shed light on situations. You got to take a step back for a second, take a deep breath and realize, okay, speak the truth. Leonard spoke the truth about so many things. Don't do something where people could just throw it back in your face because his whole career, people have said that he can't. he's never going to be a top goalie. He's never going to do this. He's built that credibility of being a great goalie and someone who's outspoken. Step on the brakes. He's doing such good, so many good things for hockey. I just think that he maybe is a little over his head with the amount of attention he's getting, and he's trying to he's trying to change things too quickly. Yeah, that, that's a good way of looking at it. I mean, yeah. when I was reading all the tweets, and it was yeah. just a boom, 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 like one after the other, I kind of was. It, it made me in my head go back to when I was like four years old, and my mom would say, "Think before you speak," or right, like things like that. Because what he's saying when he started right about the foot injury with Eichel, yeah. That situation, he was in Buffalo for. He can pretty much give you a direct analysis of what it's like as a player dealing with that medical staff and that regime and how they botched this ankle injury. And guess what? I wholeheartedly believe that everything he is oh. saying about that is completely accurate. And, and that's on Buffalo because Buff- pills, Buffalo is showing yeah, that. Yeah, Correct, because they, they have an ineptitude when it comes to handling <laughs> anything that has to do with hockey. But yeah. when you look at the, the pill thing, like life, I'm sure that in hockey, we saw it in baseball, we saw it in football, every sport, there's going to be things that happen that are just not ideal. Illegal. And if you could bring light to it, then guess what? You're you're better and you're going to make the league better in the long run for it. But if you're bringing light to a situation while also trying to bring down other people and that information is inaccurate, then this information that you're bringing that is accurate is going to be questioned regardless of whether it's proven or not. People are going to say that you have some type of bias or you're just looking to get your name out there. And that's why for his own benefit, it would have helped him if he just took a breath, thought about what he was going to put out there, made sure it was all verified before saying anything. And, you know, in the situation like this, the first part with the Sabres injury stuff, probably pretty accurate. The second part with all the pills, there's probably some truth there and there's probably some misinformation as well. Listen, we know how we don't, we're not behind the scenes. We don't know how sports work every time. We're not stupid. NHL fans aren't stupid. Of course, there are things happening behind the scenes like someone might be hurt, but he doesn't make it on the injured list. Or the, or pills, for all we know, pills are being passed around for pain or whatever it is. Because, again, not not everything's by the book. We already know how life works. There, everything happens behind the scenes. You don't know about it. They hide things. Every team does it. You talk about baseball with the cheating scandals. I mean, it's been going on for years. I guarantee it's been going on in every sport. Again, Leonard has had a chance to sit down with the NHLPA, which he did the other day. Gary Bettman said that there's a help, there's a number to call if he wants to talk to us, 800 number. And he, Bettman, was, that was in a, a podcast interview, and I was laughing so hard because, first off, if you ever need help, the last thing you're doing is calling an 800 number because you're going to get hit with a, I mean, I don't know how the NHL's 800 number works, but is it an automated voice message of Gary Bettman talking, telling you the list of options to call? Is that how it goes? Because if I'm Leonard, I'm hanging up the phone right away. I don't deal with that. The NHL should sit down with Leonard, one, to save their own ass, because if what he's saying is partially true, the NHL, I know it's Buffalo and that's their franchise, but the NHL, Buffalo's under the NHL rules and regulations. It makes the NHL look bad as well. 
you know, it's one of their teams that it's one of their franchises that's really messing up and could be a real major legal issue for Eichel or whoever else has been involved. The NHL needs to find a way to not push it under the rug, but fix this for their own image because the whole entire NHL for years is trying to build this reputation of being one of the best uh, pro leagues in the world. And they're behind other sports with, you know, with views and popularity. They can't afford situations like this to unfold where, you know, you have Leonard pretty much taking down the whole NHL with all the things going wrong. They need to talk to him and to find out what he wants, what changes he wants, and they got to work with him. Because if you work with Leonard and you get, first off, Leonard has such a great following. If you get Leonard on your side, that's huge. But if you don't talk to Leonard and you let this boil over, then people are going to believe only what Leonard's saying because the NHL's not saying anything. They're staying quiet. They can say all they want. Oh, nothing's happening, blah, blah, blah. Of course they're going to say that. They're lawyers. If they have lawyers involved, they're going to tell them, listen, don't say anything that's going to put you, make you look bad in the public image. So I think best thing for the NHL is to sit down with Leonard, have an interview with him, and just hear him out and hear what he has to say and try to find a way to get everything to de-escalate because you're going to a season, a full 82-game season, a new NHL team coming into the league. And we're talking about Robin Leonard, the issues with Buffalo, and the issues that are in the NHL. And that's not what you want to happen going into a season. Yeah, definitely not. So does this distraction about a week and a couple of days before the season starts have a positive or negative impact on Robin Leonard's play? I think Leonard is strong enough. You know, we talked about the mental battles he's gone through, but I think he's good enough to be good. I just think... I think if he's bad, it's going to be a very bad look for him because the focus could say that, oh, you're not focusing enough on training. I'm, again, I'm just making this up. Obviously, he's working hard. He's lost a lot of weight. He's got a lot more muscle. He's been working out all offseason. But it's going to look as you're not focusing on hockey. You're focusing on the other stuff. P.K. Subban, biggest example. If P.K. Subban had a fantastic year and for the Devils the last couple of years, like fantastic Norris-type years, no one cares about his off ice stuff that he does the everything he does he's always in the media doing different things but the fact that he's been so bad on the ice people point and say well yeah he's paying so much attention to the stuff off the ice he's not paying attention to his job so if Leonard comes out and has a great season okay great season that's it you know he has nothing to prove but if he has a bad year or he struggles early the whole thought's going to be Leonard focused on the wrong thing this offseason he's not ready to be this and he's never going to be able to be a starting goalie in this league because he doesn't have the mental ability and it's going to go back to that "Quote unquote," the um, when you think about mental health, and it's not right, it's not fair, it's not fair to Leonard and everyone else dealing with mental health. But people find ways to blame other things. So if Leonard struggles early, they're going to say he's not mentally strong enough to handle the off ice pressure from what he's doing with the league and his job. Not fair, but life's not fair. That's how society works. Well, I mean, it takes two seconds of looking on social media to find out that people are really rash with their decision making, regardless of yeah. what the circumstances are, and especially when it comes to sports. But uh, Vegas, we do expect them to be uh, another force in the West this year again. And Leonard, if they are going to be a force, they're going to be a big part of that. So hopefully this does not impact their start and he's able to, to play up to the level we know he can play. And then moving on to another team in the West now, new team in the West, the Seattle Kraken. Their expansion draft was skeptical, I guess. I mean, I think that they're going to be okay. I, I think they built the back end, signed enough offseason people, some free agents, and we're able to solidify the hardest position, which is goaltender. So I don't expect them to be as bad as some people are kind of penciling them into the standings as right now. But Yanni Gord, who they took from the Stanley Cup champion, Tampa Bay Lightning, obviously was a key part in the Lightning's run this year. I'm sure Islanders fans are very familiar with his role that he played. Yeah, we don't have to talk about that. You always bring up 
um, you know, Alec Martinez whenever we Fair are talking enough. about Fair the Rangers. So right, you're right, you're right. um, <laughs> anyway, you're right. he is in a full contact jersey and skating, which was not a certainty when they picked him because of the off-season surgery that he was getting. But if he is able to play opening night, that is a big lift for that roster. Yeah, I mean, that's huge. I mean, you're talking about the steal of the expansion draft. When they made that, that pick, you knew Tampa couldn't keep him. And now it's looking like, all right, if he's ready to play. Now, we don't know if he'll be ready to play. He's in a full jersey. He's practicing. That's obviously a great sign. But you know, not, never how, yeah, you never know how long you know, you could be like that. He might still have nagging injuries or whatever it is. But you talk about Seattle and how they're not, you know, they don't like Vegas on paper. Well, guess what? Looking back, when Vegas drafted their team, everybody was confused on what the heck was going on. And then when they got ready for their first game, you look at that lineup and you go, okay, they are starless. Besides Flurry and Nett, and people could say Flurry's overrated or underrated, whatever. But you have Flurry and Nett, and that's pretty much that's pretty much all you got, star-wise. You look at this Seattle team, a lot of question marks. Until they hit the ice and play, you're not going to have any idea how they're going to they're gonna play, and it's a long haul of a season. They could start off terrible, find their groove, and go on a run like we saw with Vegas, or they can miss the playoffs. It's not an easy division they're in, and I think... It'll be. I think it will be a feeling out process for Seattle. I think that you know you have guys that haven't played together. It's the first time being on one team. I just think it's gonna be really cool to see because any new team coming into the league is fun to watch. Their jerseys, first off, they knock these out of the park. When Vegas unleashed their jerseys and their name, I was very. I didn't. I hated the name. wasn't a fan of the jerseys. They grew on me. But this Seattle team, right off the bat, I'm like, perfect jerseys. It's such a cool idea. And they got some talent. I'm watching Jordan Eberle score some sick goals in Seattle. He didn't score as a member of the Islanders. So hopefully for Seattle, Eberle's that that consistent threat on offense because he is a strong top-line winger if he's consistent. And again, you're going to talk about it with every team, but Seattle, it's got about consistency. Your top guys you got, you have good, strong players in this lineup, are going to have to perform. And you're also going to see, like we saw with Vegas, a guy like Carlson who... Seattle has one of those guys on their roster that's probably not expected to do much, and he'll explode because he's getting that ice time that he didn't get with his former team. The question is, who is that going to be? And that's what's going to be fun to watch this season. Those guys that they drafted that no one thought anything of, that burst on the scene and become top players. Yeah, that conversation, and I'm glad you kind of brought and segued to that point, is yeah. eerily similar from when Vegas was heading into their first season and what Seattle's about to do here, right? You have a roster that people thought with Vegas was – you know, a makeshift roster that could be okay. Yeah. They could be on the bottom of the league, but uh, they probably won't make any noise come to the playoff push. And that's exactly what people are saying about Seattle right now. And everyone thinks that the front office execs learn, but yeah. you know, Ron Francis probably had a plan. And you know, Morgan Geek comes to mind when it comes to one of those William Carlson type players that is young. He's fast. He has talent. Could he break out in a more prominent role? They have people. When Yanni Gord comes back, they're going to have a couple of solid offensive lines. They have some grit and depth forwards like Brandon Tanev. They went for size on the back end. They have goaltending. There's nothing on that roster that makes me think that they're a shoe-in to miss the playoffs. And when you look at what Vegas had, you know, what is four years ago at this point, they have the makings of that type of team. Now, I'm not saying that they're going to make the Stanley Cup in their first year. But I do think they're going to be significantly better than people think right off the bat. And people jumping to that conclusion that they're, you know, guaranteed to miss the playoffs, I guess, have completely forgotten about what happened with the Golden Knights when they had their first season. I mean, you look up and down this lineup, you got leadership. Mark Giordano, obviously. You have two brothers, which is kind of cool. Hayden Fleury and um, Kale, is it Kale Fleury? Yeah, Kale so. Fleury. Yep, what about Giordano D. scoring? 
in the first yeah. game back in Calgary in preseason. Uh, you knew that was going to happen. But you have Colin Blackwell, hard worker. One guy that I think might have a breakout year is um, Jared McCann. I think that I liked what he when he played last year. I like his grit. I like his energy. I think that he'll get those minutes to perform. I mean, looking at his stats last year, in 43 games, he had 14 goals, 18 assists. That was split, I believe, with was that the yeah the Penguins. He was on the Penguins for the last couple of years. Yep. One of those guys, grinder, and I think that he could have a breakup. But again, the reason Vegas made it wasn't just because of one player. They made it all the way to the Cup final because it was a legitimate team effort where egos didn't get in the way and they all just came together. Now I think Seattle, the one issue they're going to have is again just finding that consistency. What's their game plan? What's their strategy? What's their system that's in place? Because you have guys coming from different types of teams. You have Everly coming from a really defensive-minded system. You have other guys coming from where offense is the key. So you got to find a way to get all those players to buy into your system. And, of course, winning early is going to have players buy in. But for a new franchise that has the support they've gotten since breaking in, you know, records with season ticket sales, all that kind of stuff, a brand-new arena, I don't see a problem with this team getting on to a strong start. You want them in the playoffs. It's a great look for the league if they make the playoffs. But it should be a battle to make it because, again, these divisions are so tight. Yeah, I'm, and I'm just excited for the division balance finally. Right? I think that, yeah. that when they went to these new realignments, that was the one thing was the West was two team, two divisions of seven teams, and then Vegas obviously joins the league, and then you have one division that's off by one team. And now you're going to have 32 teams in the NHL. Four divisions, all the same. Everyone's games are going to look the same where they're playing their division X amount of times and the other teams. So there's no you know difference there. And I think the competitive balance – is going to be so exciting to watch because in reality we're roughly two years removed from when the east guys were playing the west guys on a regular basis right yeah and it was always interesting to see how they meshed and i think that when you were looking at it from a competitive standpoint when, when we had 82 games and you were playing against the other conference it was easier to kind of predict at the end of the season, what teams were going to be the cup favorites, what teams you thought were actually legitimate contenders, whereas the last last couple of years we've been guessing. And I I think a prime example of that was Montreal, right, coming out of the Canada division, ruled out. People thought they would lose in round one, and they should have if Toronto knew how to close a playoff series. But no one expected the Canadian division to have that push. And reality is if you mesh well against your opponent from another division, you have that chance, and we're going to get to see that again. So – I'm excited for that aspect and just the competitive balance should be huge. I mean, we talk about the Metro, the Atlantic. Well, guess what? The Western Conference divisions might have a little more top-heavy teams, but the bottom teams outside of maybe the Coyotes can still poke the bear every once in a while. Yeah, so when we get back, I'm going to put Brendan on the spot. We're going to go over our two early uh, projections for the division. So when we get back, we'll go over that, and then a little bit later, we'll have Alexis Downey on. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. All right, Brendan, put me and you on the spot, I guess. So obviously the divisions are back to normal. We just spoke about that. So let's start with the Atlantic. You got, before you give your pick, I mean, the Bruins are always one of the teams that's going to be a top team. The question mark for them is goaltending. You think Linus Olmark would be the starter. Looks terrible in preseason. Swayman, by the way, 
Alaska native Swayman looks fantastic. So the question is, maybe he gets the start and they could run with him. Obviously, a paid line is homework, though. He's going to get his minutes. But again, it's, it's down to defensive depth for them and goaltending. But looking at Division two, the Panthers, I feel like they're just a fun team to watch. The Lightning are always involved. The Maple Leafs are back. Canadians, maybe they don't make the playoffs. So, Brendan, who do you have finishing at the top of the Atlantic today? So, the top of the Atlantic is actually my Stanley Cup favorite as well. And it's the Panthers to me. I think getting Ekblad back is huge. Mm-hmm. I Everyone think forgets that, that he, was hurt. <laughs> he was hurt and they were still freaking fantastic. They went six games with the Lightning. And I think that that, that uh, playoff series was the first time that fans were you know there from the last year. In the, in the postseason, at least. They were hyped up. They were playing their biggest rivals in the NHL, and it was physical, and they matched really well with Tampa Bay. They just had that little less experience and the Ekblad injury. And when I look at the goaltending situation this year, it's still a question mark because you're not sure how Knight will fare, and you're not sure what you'll get out of Bobrovsky. But Bobrovsky's still a former Vesna winner, so I tend to give him the benefit of the doubt. And that team is deep as they come. They added Reinhardt. You're going to get Ekblad That's back, like huge. I mentioned. So they're my pick to not only win the Atlantic, but they're my favorite right now to win the Cup. Wow. And they're so good I, value if you're a better. So I also was going to say the Panthers. I'm incredibly high on Spencer Knight. I know we didn't play that much. I think it was four or five games last year um, in the regular season. But just watching him play, this guy's going to be an absolute stud. I think he could win the Calder this year. And it's like, how could he win the Calder? He's not even going to start. You don't have to start to win the Calder. You just got to play well when you get your minutes. So I think just that Sturkin almost won a Calder playing 13 games. Yeah, I mean, Sorokin was not that he was going to win it, but he was up for it, and he's, he played more than four, obviously. But again, you don't have to be the number one to win it. You just got to be the, the best rookie out there. So obviously comparing goalies and defensemen and forwards is a lot different. But again, really high at night. I think Reinhardt's going to be great. I just This Panthers team is an exciting team to watch because you want to see if they could take on the big bad lightning and win over Florida. Because, you know, I don't know. You, you lived in Florida for a little bit, Brendan. You went to a, uh, games there. It's not the BB&T Center anymore, by the way. They changed their name. I forgot what it is now. So rest in peace to that name. But um, it's an exciting time to be a fan of the Panthers because for so long... Uh, excuse my phone ring. Let's see. Anyone important? Honda. You know, you hate when car insurance call you because it's never it's never a good phone call. Anyway, continuing on. I like the Panthers a lot. I don't think the Canadians make the playoffs. And we've talked about this, but I, I just don't think they're going to. I think, you know, losing Shea Weber is huge. Carey Price being hurt. Team's not the same like they were last year, and they're in a, obviously a different division. Brendan, do you think the Canadians make the playoffs? I've said it before. I'll say it again. I, to me, no. They're not making it in the top uh, three, right? They're not going to be in yeah, that, no. the top they, three. So the question is, card. are they better than the remaining four teams that are going to be vying for those two wild card positions? The, my answer is no. I just don't yeah. think so. And I think that if, because realistically, right, you're going to have the Bruins, Lightning, and Panthers to me are the three. Yeah. I get it from the Atlantic. You're going to have the Islanders, Carolina, and then it's between the Capitals, Rangers, Flyers, maybe even Devils, Penguins, right? So there's too many good teams. That division. So that div- you just, you just, you pretty much just read every single team in that division except the Blue Jackets. Columbus, yeah. And <laughs> I wouldn't say the Devils, but at the same time, the Devils look like they're poised to start the year like they did last year where they were on, on a roll. Depends so, on Blackwood. It does, but Bernier looked really good when he, he played did. the Rangers. We so. know, we know, it's, it's not fair to Bernier that he gets a bad rep because he was so good in Detroit when they were terrible. He was the like, only reason they were winning games. Like, Jimmy Howard could not win a game for them, and Bernie... He didn't... What, Jimmy Howard have one win? Correct. It was, like, absurd. It was brutal. So, I'm not counting them out. I do think that they're a long shot, 
because there's so many good teams there. But I'm not counting the Devils out either. And to, in, in my opinion, with the loss of Shea Weber, uh, I just it's don't huge. see how the Canadians are going to be able to get back to that point. They were questionable at best in the Canadian division. Now you're playing 82 in front of fans, which does give them an edge at some points because of the Bell Center. But going on the road, you know, the Canada to USA travel is going to be a pain. So for those teams, I feel like they're at a little bit of a disadvantage this year. USA teams get to play the majority of their games in the USA. It's it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, well, you just went over the Metro. I think we both agree that Hurricanes are the shoe and probably to win the division. Obviously, Islander fans don't get upset. It's okay. They don't have to be the top team because you've seen the last couple of seasons. They fall off at the end of the year. Hopefully this and they don't. They can stay healthy, but... This Hurricanes team is just elite right now. Question for them is going to be goaltending. They let let their boy Alex go in the offseason. Delkovic hasn't looked he good in preseason. Hasn't looked good in preseason, but they brought in Frederick Anderson. They have Antti Ranta, who Antti Ranta is such a weird. You know, you don't know what you're going to get out of him. He looks great sometimes. He has injury issues. Like you don't know what you're going to get. And so is Anderson. It has had injury issues as well, especially last season. So the question is, can they stay healthy? They have a great team in front of them, so they should be able to play strong. They don't have. It's going to be similar. To the Islander system where you don't need an, a fantastic electric goalie every start. You need a guy that's going to be positionally strong and do his job, and you'll probably win more games than you lose. Yeah. I mean, if I was betting on the division for the yeah. Metro, yeah, personally, I would bet Islanders. I know this is going to come across as a shock, but they have more value than I was going to say, does. that's why you're saying it. Because um, yeah. if there's one team, when I look at that division, that's poised to potentially compete for that one spot against Carolina – it is the Islanders in the long run. Obviously, 82 games, you don't know who anyone's going to compete. And yeah. God knows Washington could wind up doing it again. But we'll we'll see. If for me, it is between Carolina and the Islanders. From a hockey standpoint, I give Carolina the edge. But mm-hmm. finishing 1-2 in the Metro doesn't really matter. You're going to play a good team in the first round no matter what. And from the Islanders' standpoint, they've, they've had a history of playing good teams in each round. It hasn't really stopped them in the last couple of years. So Except, except, one, except one team. Two well, years one team in a row, that they, which... they can't control that one, right? Yeah, uh, the just... other division has to beat them. And we are, you know, we're nine days away from the Islanders playing that Carolina Hurricanes team to kick off their season. But the Central Division, again, obviously predictions are they mean absolutely nothing. But you're looking at this division, and if the Avalanche don't win it, you know, yeah, you could have the Winnipeg Jets up there, the Blues up there, even the Wild maybe start. I mean, I just think this is this is if the Avalanche lose this division, there's a problem. I mean, for me, it's Avalanche, Wild, yep. Jets, Blackhawks. That's how I see this finishing. You think the Blues are shot? I don't think they're making it. Your boy Buchnevich isn't going to help get them with Tarasenko back healthy. Another yeah, year will help get them, but Avalanche, too good. No, they should, again, if the Avalanche don't win the division, there's a really big problem. The Blackhawks made enough moves, and getting Taves back gives them a lift. They have a lifting goal where I do think they're going to wind up getting in. That'd be fun. That'd be awesome. Good. I think the Wild always find a way to just sneak in. Yeah. So if that's three spots, then you're looking at the last teams. And the Jets only really lost, in my opinion, because of what happened with the Shifley incident. I yeah. think if he's healthy, it impacts that series. They might wind up losing the series in six or seven, but not the way they did. So the Jets are, are a very good team, too, and they have Connor Hellebuck. So it's it's an uphill battle for the Blues. You forgot the Stars are there, too, who are going to be getting uh, healthy people. Yeah, Sagan's back, but at the same time, we will talk. Division. We talk good teams in the NHL, man. Yeah, you gotta love that. It's not like baseball where there's like eight teams that lost over a hundred games. It's absurd. Imagine that happened in hockey. Some team lost like seventy games. Pitiful, pitiful. But and we I'm talk- pretty sure that Arizona's in that one now, right? 
Arizona is. I think Arizona shifted to the central, and Seattle's going into. Yes, the yes, 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 yes. Arizona's in the central. So like, we could predict it upside down. Arizona will finish last. <laughs> yeah, Arizona. Yeah, if, again, if they don't finish last, there's another problem with, amongst the division. <laughs> but um, we talked about it with Lexus down a little bit about the stars goaltending. So we'll let her. We'll let her talk more on that. All right. So again, we both agree the Avalanche. Looking at Pacific Division. All right, Brendan. Pacific. It's a fun one. There's a lot of teams that have a major question. Like for me, the Calgary Flames just they don't they don't ever do enough in the off season. And I know Goudreau's tired of losing. Kachuk's tired of losing. And Goudreau needs to get paid eventually. And the question is, is he going to resign with the team that has pretty much they have no they've shown no signs of you know improving. They signed what's his name from the um, the Lightning forward Blake Coleman. Correct. That was their that was their big signing. And you look at it and you said. First off, why did they sign him to what they signed him for? Because he's not going to help their team get better. And two, why on earth did Coleman sign with a team that's not going to... It's probably not playoff bound, if anything, maybe a wild card. But it's such a weird decision. The Ducks aren't, aren't going to be great. They're going to be on the rise, though. They got a lot better. I know Zegers should have a great year. I feel so bad for um, John Gibson, just because, like... You're just wasting his career. We talk every time I hear Gibson's name and I talk about Gibson, I just think of Trout. It's the same exact situation. They're just on really bad teams and they are so much better. It's just wasting away over there. But you look at this division, you want to see the Knights, right? The Knights are the top team. They should be. It comes down to Leonard. It's gonna really come down. You don't have that you don't have that crutch in Flurry to have anymore. So but I mean Vegas you got Nolan Patrick. That's going to be a big question mark. Hopefully, he finds a way to rejuvenate Nolan his Patrick career. And Brett Howden on a line together. Mm. God bless them. Yeah, but uh, so Brendan, you look at this division after the Knights. How's it shaping up for you? Because I would love to see the Kings get back to the postseason. Just because, like you know, you want to see Quinn and Byfield come along, but they don't. I don't think they have enough. They don't have enough. They signed Peterson, their goalie. Quick's time is running low to get back to the playoffs and be an integral part of this team, but. I mean, you saw the Canucks sign their their biggest RFAs finally, but are they good enough? You know, there's a lot of question marks in this division specifically. So I think that Vegas is the class of it. Yeah. I think this is the worst division mm-hmm. in hockey by far. But, but That's after the problem. Vegas, you can't pinpoint a team. I mean, I, the Oilers to me are the number two team in that division. Again, comes down to goaltending with them too. It does. It, it does. But they have too much offensive skill. Yeah. Where I look at the rest of that conference uh, division, I should say, and there's not much defense. <laughs> so uh, when, when you see that, the offensive skill tends to win out. Yeah. It's tough. San Jose doesn't have the goaltending. Um, San Jose does not have the goaltending. Calgary's goaltending spotty. I really do think that when I look at this division, it's the three Canadian teams and Vegas. So Calgary, yeah. Canucks, and Oilers. Yeah, go backwards. Sharks probably finishing last. With the Ducks. I don't know. The Sharks, I don't like them at all. I think they're terrible. Actually, I, you know what? We just left somebody out. No, the the Canucks are not making it. The Seattle Kraken are making the fourth spot. I, I never I never said they weren't. I left them out. Oh, yeah. Because I, I was looking at the old division, and I forgot that they were in it. So, ah, so you got you to gotta look up the new division so you don't forget. Correct. I'm not as swift as you. I'm looking at 2018-19. So. <laughs> that's, that's a problem. <laughs> Seattle Kraken. See, so can Calgary the Seattle Kraken finish? So look, can the Kraken finish second in this division? Can they? I, I mean, I anything's can't, possible. I can't say that until I see them play at least one regular game. Yeah, that's gonna be a fun one. But we—I mean, we just talked about it. I mean, this is—you don't want to say it catapulted them, and I mean, God, it was one of the worst like 
ways you could start a season. But when Vegas had what happened in Vegas, that big shooting, right? Right yeah. as they were entering the NHL, that made them all gel right off the bat. Wasn't they, that in the postseason? No, that was the that was or, oh, game for, of the yes. season. Like, yes. It happened just before the season Derek, started. Because Derek Englund talked. He was the captain was from Vegas. No, Englund. Was it Derek Englund, yep. I just remember that whole – that ceremony was awesome. They came mm-hmm. out and scored like two seconds into the game, and they yeah. just shelled the Coyotes. And, but like, as traumatic as that experience was and as horrible as it was, it, it allowed them to have something to kind of rally around right off the get-go. Mm-hmm. For Seattle, we really hope that doesn't happen for yeah. obvious reasons because you never yeah. want to see a tragedy like that happen. But no. the, the community kind of went right to Vegas and, and helped them out. Seattle's going to be loud based on the preseason I've seen. But I don't know if they're going to have that same start where they have that electric energy. We'll see. Their, their arena is the most energy efficient, so maybe they will have uh, Very good, Brendan. Well, with that, this has been another terrific episode. Stay tuned for the amazing Alexis Downey. Great interview we have coming up. You don't want to miss it, and we'll catch you next week after this edition of The Back Check. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Joining the back check now is Alexis Downey, host of NHL Icebreakers with Stadium and also the co-host of Off the Record with Kirsten Krill. Alexis, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? We're doing good. We're doing good. Hockey season. I know the Islanders, 10 days away. The Rangers, what, nine days away now? And then Chicago's obviously going to be playing as well. So first off, though, when you were younger and discovered hockey, what about this sport drew you to it? So I was actually born in Pittsburgh, and my parents were living there in the 90s, so they kind of really gave me, got me into the culture of the sport, and then uh, when I was in high school, we had a junior hockey team in my hometown, so I started going to those games and just realized how much I loved it, and when I was picking a college, I knew that I wanted to work in the sport, so ended up at Michigan State, started working for the team, and I just knew it was like the perfect fit for me. Um, I, I just love the passion around the sport. I think that the fan base and like the players and coaches and everyone around it, it's just a different type of energy. And that's something that just all automatically drew me in. Did you play hockey when you were younger or just, just reporting and all that kind of stuff? No, I, I actually never did. No one in my family did either. So uh, learning the game has been kind of still an ongoing process as I cover it and, you know, talk to people that have played the game as well. 
Yeah, yeah. Sometimes that outside lens is always good, though. I mean, as somebody that played the game, right, as a young age, you think you know everything. So sometimes getting that ability to take in everything for the first time is probably a good thing for you, especially when you're covering it. Yeah, it keeps my perspective a little bit uh, w- wider, maybe, than mm-hmm. not as, uh, you know, specific to one team or one, you know, one player or anything like that. Yeah, because if you ever listen to us talk, we're pretty stubborn when it comes to that. <laughs> so, I do have I mean, my favorite players. But... Yeah, <laughs> oh, of course, everyone does. Once you watch the game, you have you have a couple. But uh, you, you got a couple of endeavors that you uh, do with Stadium over there. You have the NHL Icebreakers, and then you also have Off the Record. So just you know, tell us a little bit more about the the two things that you're doing. The show, obviously, and I caught a couple of the the Icebreakers one when you were at the Cup, which we'll get to in a little bit. But it was pretty awesome. Yeah, so I I host a show, Icebreakers, on Stadium and absolutely love it. I cover the entire spectrum of the NHL, and the idea kind of started because Stadium didn't have any NHL coverage. So I came in and knew that I have that hockey background and wanted to fill that gap for us. So they let me create this digital show, and I'm in the episode 56 this week, which has been pretty exciting. Um, You know, last year was pretty difficult with the pandemic trying to figure out what kind of content I could put together but um it's it's been a lot of fun to cover the league and you know uh being here in Chicago I've gotten to go to some of the Blackhawks games mostly to cover them and like you mentioned the Stanley Cup and um it it's grown a lot and I I originally wanted to do more than just highlights and all of that um and kind of talk about what players and teams are doing off the ice because I think that's an area of the NHL that it needs to be showcased and it isn't showcased enough so I still try to incorporate that as much as I can um obviously it's changed a bit over the last year because there hasn't been as much of that but it's been a really fun fun show to put together each week and then off the record my good friend Kirsten we created the podcast a couple months ago and uh we're working on it right now, trying to trying to get back into it. We've got some busy schedules, but it's all sports, and we have very differing takes on a lot of things. So that's it's been a, good, a lot of. Fun it's a good thing, too. yeah. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun to kind of figure out, you know, like go back and forth a little bit, or see where we can meet in the middle on some things. Um, it, it actually kind of started because we had a fantasy football league together last year, and we were like, you know what, maybe we should do a podcast of some sort. So. Um, that, that's a lot of fun on the side as well. How did your fantasy football team do? Um, you know, I, I did okay last year. I think I got like fifth place in our league, and we were a big league. Um, I think we had 14 people. Oh, wow. And that's I'm, pretty good. I'm in, yeah, I'm involved in one this year that also has 14 people, and I just, I'm just i struggling right now, and it's <laughs> driving me nuts. <laughs> I can barely do good in like an eight-person fantasy football league. I, I have the worst luck. Everyone always gets hurt, but that, like, that's fantasy in a nutshell. So, um, right. so obviously you got to cover the Stanley Cup. What was that experience like? It was truly a dream come true. I mean, I found out that I was credentialed for it Saturday night, and I flew out Monday. So um, it, it was, uh, I had a feeling that I had a chance um, at being credentialed. So I, I had like all of my, I was actually back at home um, yeah. with my parents and they were just like, go, you know, like this is your chance, go. So um, I, I was down there by myself and I shot everything by myself on all the equipment I had. Um, but truly 
one of the highlights of my career. I mean, just getting to be there and seeing the fans and kind of knowing that Tampa was going to win, but seeing that the Canadians were able to hang on for a bit. Um, it was unbelievable. And I met so many great people in the media and like I mentioned the fans and got to see the city of Tampa as well. So that was pretty cool. But, um, unfortunately I wasn't able to go on the ice after, you know, they won that, that would have been an added experience in itself, but, um, you know, maybe this year. So. Yeah. And like you mentioned, it was one of the more lopsided on paper, at least Stanley cup finals that we've seen in recent memory. So you kind of had that (laughs) idea that Tampa was going to win. Now were you on all those zoom calls as well? Like you got to participate in everything. Yes. So I, I had the, the access to them. Um, it, it, you know, the zoom calls aren't as exciting as being in person. It's, it's, it's very different, but all of the post game after Tampa won it, I was sitting up in the, uh, in the section that I was assigned to for the media, watching them with all the other media members. And we were all laughing together about, you know, some of the antics that were going on. <laughs> yeah. How was the uh, Kucherov talk? He, he is a character, you know, I, I didn't stay for the parade. Um, I, I wish I did a little bit just to see that in person, but he, he's, <laughs> I, I appreciate it because, you know, hockey players don't show their character all that often getting to see that was was really fun yeah, we gotta have more of that i mean his <laughs> press conference where he was kind of just taking a dump on montreal canadians fans i was like everyone's oh this is so uncharacteristic you know it's not polite no sportsmanship no nah, that's funny he was he was having fun after winning a cup so uh, <laughs> i'm sure that that was some experience to cover as well but you know you went from the finals and then you also got to cover the cami granado showcase which uh, for people that are not as familiar with women's hockey, Cami Granado is awesome. She's so involved in the sport to this day. She was a great player in her own right. And what was that experience like getting to, to get up close to that? So I knew that she was coming to Chicago um, when she tweeted out her showcase. And she is someone that I've always wanted to connect with um, and I admire greatly. And I reached out to the program coordinator and I was like, I would love to come and do a story about the showcase in Chicago. So I was only able to go on Friday and I know that Kendall Coyne and Jesse Comfer were there on Saturday to meet with the young players, but it was, it was so much fun to see just the, the energy that these young girls had about playing. Um, they were from a variety of States, their teams that were playing against each other and the, the ages were, you know, teenage years. So um, I had the chance to talk with some of the girls and they were just saying it's so one of, one of the teams was from Naperville, which is right outside Chicago. So they were saying how great it was that they, they didn't have to travel very far to play in a tournament for once. And I know that for girls hockey, the availability is, is small. So that travel is something that they have to do a lot and just having that access was really awesome. Um, Cammie was not there when I was there, but I did get to chat with her on zoom about the showcase and she's just very proud of it and sees it as a way of being able to give back to these girls because her experience playing as a young hockey player, she played with a lot of boys teams and she said she loved it, but having the, the access and the opportunity to play, you know, against girls and, grow the game that way is something that she's really proud of and excited to keep bringing to girls hockey. You mentioned she played with boys teams. What about her family? <laughs> a couple of good yeah, hockey players. Yeah, there too. <laughs> that certainly was a, probably a lot of 
good practice for her. <laughs> so families like that too. Yeah. So have, yeah, exactly. So um, obviously you covered the showcase, but do you think there's been a growth in women's sport over the last few years? Or do you still think there's a long way to go? I think that there's definitely a good momentum behind it right now. Um, you know, we just had the women's worlds back about two months, almost two months ago at this point. And that was so much fun to watch the, that was one of the things I talked with Cami about. She was so happy that the TV coverage was top tier. Like it, it was elite. They had a studio show. They were covering all the games, especially in group a that had Canada, the U S you know, Russia, all that. Um, and it, it's something that it does still have a bit of ways to go, especially here in the U.S. But I think it really started when Kendall Coyne took part in, you know, the NHL All-Star Skills competition like two years ago at this, over two years ago at this point. We kind of lost last year. They didn't have any women's international events. And this was the first, the Women's Worlds was the first one in the past two years. Um, but I, I think that there is a good momentum behind it. And girls hockey players are seeing that there are more opportunities for them to play. And I think that's so important, obviously, because there's no reason that they shouldn't feel confident about playing in the sport that they do play in. Um, and, and from what I saw, they were super excited about it, super excited to get to meet Cammy and Kendall and Jesse and all of these role models for them. So I think that it does have a, a bit of ways to go, but we are hopefully on the right path with it. And I think that the TV coverage, like you mentioned, was, is huge too. Cause I remember when, when they had the one in Lake Placid, right. And it was kind of like somebody was just filming it on a phone. Stefan and myself were talking about on the show, like that's no way to really get it out there. And they were on Twitch and it wasn't on TV really. And, and you're like, I would like to actually have a camera angle where I could watch these girls play. And then they went to the international tournament and it was real coverage. And you could just tell it just looks like better hockey when it's filmed better. Right. I mean, you watch high school hockey on TV and nobody wants to watch that because it's just filmed terribly. So we definitely need to get them better TV coverage. Um, that's for sure. So when you look at, you know, the NHL switching gears a little bit, you being from Chicago, the Blackhawks getting back Jonathan Taves after a lost year last year, they bring in Marc-Andre Fleury, former Vesna winner, who I'm sure nobody expected to really wind up in Chicago until that trade actually went through. But they are in a tough division. So you think in playoffs for Chicago, you think it's an uphill battle. But what's your take on the Blackhawks this season? So there's a lot of buzz around the Blackhawks. I mean, I think also the addition of Seth Jones was really exciting for the team. Um, you know, they gave him a lot of money to come here. And over the past year, they've always just talked about it being a rebuild of sorts with all the young guys that they've had. Um, but now that we have these additions, like people are excited. They think that there really is a shot for this team this year. I think that it's not a long shot, but I think that they need the chemistry has to be there in order for them to win these games. And with the these new guys and this new mix, um, the loss of Duncan Keith, I know, is is a big thing um, for them as well. I think that. I see them maybe more in a wild card spot for them. Um, you know, Colorado at the top of that division. Um, I think Minnesota's also going to be really good this year. I, it, the Blackhawks have a shot. I I can't count them out, especially with Flurry and Nett. He's one of my favorite guys in the NHL, so I never count against him. But I think it's more of in a, a wild card 
position rather than a solid like yes they're going to be in it yeah i was going to say i mean looking at that division it's going to be tough so there are going to be good teams that don't make it but i mean even last year the blackhawks weren't projected to do much again taves wasn't there goaltending was a, a bit of a concern but they played pretty well i know they lost also Suter. he goes to detroit i feel like that was a big piece but i mean chicago's a great organization they find ways to they find ways to fill those roles. That's why they, you know, won two cups in the span of what was it three years or four years? Because they just they just found a way. But um, any off season moves surprise you through around the NHL that you were you were like, okay, this doesn't make that much sense. You know, I thought this was a particularly busy off season. There yeah. was a lot of needs for some teams that maybe they haven't filled yet. I know goaltending across the board is is something that a lot of teams are still maybe struggling with, but a team that I'm a little bit confused about Dallas stars. They have so many goaltenders. They signed Holtby. They have Anton Hudobin. They have Jake Ottinger. They have Ben Bishop. Granted, Ben Bishop might start the season on the IR. Um, I, I was just kind of puzzled why they signed Holtby um, when they have so many already. Um, and in terms of like salary cap too, you know, that's a, that's a hold as well. So um for Dallas, I, that that was something that particularly surprised me, um, and I'm sure they're going to have to sort out at some point, especially with you know some of the other additions that they made and some of the guys that they had injured coming back this year. So um, that that would be the one that comes to mind. Yeah. So I've i Brendan knows I I can't stand Hopi. I just I don't know how teams sign him to be quite honest. But uh, yeah, it doesn't. I agree with you completely. It doesn't make any, they did have a crowded. First off, Ottinger played pretty well. Like I feel like he's he's yeah. a solid goalie. Why? I mean, rather let him play. I hope he. I, at this point, I feel like his his career is on the downswing. I know it's not going to be like Corey Schneider's career where he's never going to play in the NHL again. But it gets to a point where like, what is hope is Hopi going to help the team? I can't see that happening. Yeah, especially for like the Capitals. Like I know that they like they lost him obviously to the Canucks and then Canucks giving him to Dallas now. Like it's just surprising that like Holpe like Holpe probably could have gone back to the Capitals. I mean, they don't have Henrik Lundqvist. Ilya Samsonov, I think, is injured right now. Yeah, having yep. He's right there. So they're also in need of one, you know? So it's like, it's a bizarre thing. So, um, and I guess we'll see what happens. Well, us on the podcast are pro the Capitals doing wrong things. So we, <laughs> we enjoy the fact that they are a little weak in, in that right now. And you mentioned Dallas. Dallas, their main problem last season was that nobody scored and they went out and bolstered a position, which was pretty solid for them. So I, I don't necessarily know what's going on there. It seems like that team went from, you know, being on the cusp of winning a cup against Tampa to falling off pretty quick. And we do see that a lot in the, in the NHL and it's part of the parody of the league. Definitely. And I think possibly getting back Tyler Sagan this year, that could be a, a position where they're able to, you know, get some pucks in the net for them. The last thing I want to ask you is about Robin Leonard's obviously been in the news lately because he, he just, he doesn't hold back. You know, he wants to say things. Do you, as someone who covers a sport, do you like to see that? I know, obviously, terrible circumstances. He's calling out the Sabres for medical reasons, other teams for prescriptions. But do you like that Leonard is not holding back and is talking out against the issues in the NHL? I think it's kind of almost sad that we're at a point where the players maybe don't feel comfortable enough to speak out 
behind the scenes that they have to go to social media to speak out against the NHL. Um, what he's talking about is very important. And I know that they said the NHL is going to investigate it. So I appreciate that they're doing that um, because it's very serious, unfortunately. Uh, I think that, you know, the players have the, the platforms to do it. A lot of them choose not to, but when a player does, it's, it captures the attention of everyone and what Robin, Robin Leonard has never held back. That's just a part of who he is. So I think that what he's doing is a good thing for the league because it does bring a new attention and light to these issues that they're having. Um, And it's important for a league that doesn't have many vocal players or person, you know, uh, stars or anything like that. It's just, it's all the same. We always get all the same things. So seeing this from Robin Leonard um, is, I, I think it's a good thing. And I hope that the NHL does take it seriously and investigate it and maybe change, like he's been saying, kind of change the culture around some things. Do you think he's added a lot more pressure to himself to have a great season? Because obviously he's taking over for Fleury. He's going to be the number one. But now he's got, you know, mixed bag of support. Obviously, a lot of people are supporting him, but there's others that are against him and, you know, his outlandish actions and the way he talks about things. So do you think there's a lot more pressure on him now to have a, a strong season? Well, hockey is so old school that when players do these things, that the, people don't like it. People that have followed the game for a long time, they don't like it. I think that he for sure has a lot of pressure on him, and he knows that. Um, I, I was surprised that you know, Vegas let go of Flurry. Um, I, I know that they had to kind of figure out a situation because they are two top goalies, but um, I, Robin Leonard certainly has a lot of pressure on him this season to perform, especially because Vegas is one of the favorite teams to potentially win it this year. I really thought that they were going to go to that Stanley Cup final last year. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he kind of handles that pressure. Um, because I, I know he's been very vocal about mental health and how he struggles sometimes. So I hope that, you know, he can keep that balance and play a, a good season for them. Awesome. Well, Alexis, thank you so much for joining us this morning. We really do appreciate it. Thank you, guys. The Back Check is your one-stop shop for NHL news and all things Rangers and Islanders. Thanks for sticking with us for this edition of The Back Check. Follow the show on social media at BackCheckPod. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 